You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We're going to be talking about Sam Cooke live at the Harlem Square, 1963. In the room, I have John, yeah! Charles, and Don't Ben. Don't fight it. Also. Live at the Harlem Square Club, 1963, is the second live album by the American singer-songwriter Sam Cooke. The album was recorded in 1963, but shelved until June of 1985 when it appeared on RCA Records. There was no producer. The genre is rhythm and blues and soul. In 1962, RCA Victor decided it was time for Cook to record a live album. And on a warm January 12th night at the Harlem Square Club in Miami, Sam Cook brought the magic. The Harlem Square Club was a small downtown night spot in Miami's historically African-American neighborhood of Overtown and was packed with the singer's most devoted fans from his days singing gospel. RCA initially found the results too loud, raw, and ruckus for the clean pop star version of Sam Cooke that they wanted to promote and shelved the record for over two decades. Fucking honkies. In 1985, (laughs) executive uh, Greg Geller discovered the tapes and quickly issued Live from Harlem Square. Geller stated, Sam was what we've come to all call a crossover artist. He crossed over from gospel to pop, which was controversial enough in its day. But once he became a pop artist, he had a certain mainstream image to project. The fact is, when he was out on the road, he was playing a pr- to a predominantly black audience, and he was doing a different kind of show, a more down-home, down-to-earth kind of show uh, than what he would do for his pop audience. Three mixes of the albums exist. The original 1985 mix contains a louder audience response, uh, creating a claustrophobic, frenetic power while the version included in the 2000 box set turns down the elements, cleaning up Cook's vocals as well as music. The 2005 remastered generally splits the difference between these two releases. The album is generally considered among the best live albums by contemporary music critics. What did we think of Sam Cooke? A party and an album. (laughs) It's unstoppable. This is, yeah, this is one of the albums you just put on, and it's an instant party. Yeah. Everybody loves it. Great voice. I Great mean, energy. Oh, huge energy. And it's it's like, uh, it's so cool to hear, like, most people, even if you don't know Sam Cooke, you know Sam Cooke. You, you, know, mm-hmm. you know the hits, you know Cupid, you know Chain Gang, uh, you know Twist in the Night Away. But uh, to, to hear him, like, cut loose in front of, like, a crowd that he's comfortable with is 
so cool. Uh, I was introduced to this record by by a buddy of ours years ago, and uh, we were just driving around in his car listening to it, and it was the only Sam Cooke live that I had ever heard. Years later, I was at a record store, and I found a copy of uh, Sam Cooke. I think it was live at the Copa. Yep. And I'm like, oh, Sam Cooke live. Sam Cooke's great live. <laughs> Dude, all Sam Cooke live albums are not created equal. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, I didn't... I didn't know it at the time, but I correctly assumed, like, oh, so Harlem Club isn't playing to a black crowd, and Live at the Copa isn't playing to a bunch of fucking honkies, and and it's so sterile and clean and like, gosh, oh golly, and it's just it's night and day to 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 what this is like. This this is what you want. This I, record's that, so cool. When I was listening to it, I was thinking about you know it it got shelved and everything, but I'm just imagining okay. The guys from RCA go down there. They witness the show. They record it, right? Mm -hmm. They see what's happening. They listen to it, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to pass on this one. (laughs) Go ahead and put that on the shelf. Us white folks don't like this. It's a little too much. It's a little too raw. I mean, I can't 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 fathom what he he would feel. I just... You would feel nothing. I, I yeah you or must if you had feelings you, you must like, I know <laughs> the guy must have no heart like no soul essentially or, or like what would you know how did Sam feel hey I just put on this great performance I can't wait for all of you people to hear it just kidding <laughs> I thought I know how Sam Cook felt I bet he was like yeah I played a good show played one yesterday too gonna play another one tomorrow yeah you know <laughs> yeah it's probably more of a you know he's not doing something for the recording it's just this is his show. Yeah. Did we all listen to the 2005 remastered version, or which version did you guys listen to? I think we got the 85 uh, with the ruckus crowd. Okay, yeah. yeah. I listened to the 05 one, I think, just because it was what I was yeah. listening to at the time, and it's pretty good. But you can see that they turned the crowd down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's amazing the way that he works the crowd, and you know sometimes you might feel like that's a little hokey, but not with Sam Cooke, no. not with and this crowd. No. Some of my some of my favorite parts, like my favorite part is like the music and the vocals, but some of my favorite parts are just the the just like non sequiturs that he would throw in. Like when he counts off a song, he's like, a one, a two, a put it anywhere. I wrote that down as well. <laughs> it's fucking great. It's so cool. And then you think about it and you're like, okay, well, so this guy was really the father of soul before James Brown, before anybody else. And well, you James start Brown's to album is the same year. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, say before. Really? So it's at the yeah. same time. It is. Well, it is recorded at the same time. So who was first 
that, to that James Brown came came out first, you know, the, his live out obviously because uh, this got pants. So know, I mean, right. who was out. watching who? I mean, could Cook Cook at this time think, was what in his thirties? Man, I think that Sam Cook and James Brown early thirties, uh, almost as much apples and oranges as you could be while still being both technically. Yeah, sold. you say yeah. that, but then when you listen and you hear James Cook go ha, or sorry, James Cook, Sam <laughs> Cook go ha. In the middle, just throwing those little, little little sides out, and James Brown then picks those up much later. I don't know if his early stuff had those. Uh, well, you're you're gonna find out uh, in two episodes. Okay, yeah. well, I'll just I'll have to wait. <laughs> yes. uh, one of my favorite songs of all times, regardless of of who's recorded it. Uh, is Bring It On Home To Me. Yep. Oh. Uh, I love it when Sam Cooke does it. I love it when the animals do it. I love it when Smokey Robinson does it. But uh, I love this version of it because... You know he he's doing that vamping like every, you know the lyrics, but I, the first he's when he when he name checks himself he goes that ain't all that ain't all Sam will do for you yeah but then also the part when he, he's telling him to come home and he's like and you stay out stay out every night I don't care who you was with <laughs> like he, he just interjects those those yeah. things that's that's one thing I noticed about this is his phrasing. On this album, I mean, sometimes you listen to an, a live album and you have these people and they sing the song. They sing their song, but sometimes you get artists that every time it's completely different. You know, the way they're vamping, the way they interject, the way they phrase things. And he is one of those those people where you see his show and you, you don't know. Yeah. You know, you don't know how he's going to sing something, you know, don't know... Uh, what he's going to stick in the song, how he's going to get the crowd involved. But yeah, every song has that. And I love his little, ha ha. It's like he's laughing, but not at all. He's just like sing laughing. Ha ha. And, and you can tell it. how much fun the audience is having. I mean, sometimes you'll hear a live album, like, and it'll be, I mean, the most live albums that I've heard are, are sort of stadium rock. You know, you'll hear the, the audience sing back or sing along. And it's not an intimate crowd like this one is. On that track, uh, Bring it on home to me. He sings a line, you know, as soon as I hear my baby say hello, some dude in the audience goes, hello! Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great! Yeah. <laughs> you can just tell that they're really having a nice, you know, vibe back and forth. Man, I think that uh, Sam Cooke losing his faith might have been one of the best things to happen in music history. <laughs> I mean, his gospel stuff, I've got some of it. It's good. But man, secular Sam Cooke. I love secular Sam Cooke. Full uh, throttle Sam Cooke. Full throttle <laughs> Sam Cooke. The one thing I well, did... Oh. oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, sadly, he didn't have he didn't have much time. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. But go ahead, Charles, you were saying? The one thing I liked about this one, um, compared to the Duke Ellington live, and I'm doing quotations in live yeah. album, this was a true live album. And it was just like, you, you feel that energy coming through. Kind of like what John was saying earlier you can hear the crowd getting into it, and you feel like you're in this hot, sweaty Miami nightclub singing out the top of your lungs to Sam Cooke in this album. Yeah. Yeah, you're there with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're right along everybody else in the audience. And I was going to kind of discuss this. I guess let's just do it now. I mean, do you think the recording helps or hurts this album? Because I was going to say, the only thing I could possibly say any little negative thing about is yeah the recording quality maybe isn't the best well it doesn't bother me yeah i was i was thinking that too maybe it helps a I little bit to, to give it a little more live feeling 
because if you had it a little too clean, it might not have that the spontaneity yeah. kind of it, feeling. I don't think it needs anything. I don't think it takes yeah. away from it. I just like that. That's a good raw energy. It feels like you're there. It's yeah. what you would have heard. I'm just thinking that, you know, just from a technical standpoint, that sort of low, almost fuzzy, how the band kind of melds, um, it's it's not real distinctive. You know, like we were talking about Phil Spector, the wall of sound, you know, like all that kind of, you hear the re- reverberation in the room and that's all picked up and it kind of sounds a certain way. And But a lot of it too, like going back at it is... Three of us have played music and venues, and you've probably John, you've probably yeah. been at small venues. It doesn't sound that great. Mm-hmm. It all yeah. melts together, and it's yeah. just truly just yeah. kind of noise. But this one, I think, encapsulates it perfectly. Right now, we'd like to give the fellows, we want to tell the fellows something, you know. Fellows, I want to tell you, when somebody come and tell you something about what your girlfriend has done, or what your wife has done, I want you to remember one thing. Don't go home hitting on her and all that stuff. Whenever they tell you anything about your lady, go home if she's sleeping, shake her and wake her up. And wait till she wipe all the sleep from her eyes, you understand? And when she get all that sleep wiped from her eyes, look her dead in the eye and tell her, baby, it's all right. So right. It's all right. Believe me, baby, it's all right. Long as I know, honey, long as I know that you love me, it's all right. Tell her people been talking about you, baby, but it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Believe me when I say it's all right. Long as I know, long as I know that you love me. I was going to say this. And maybe this that's what the execs were thinking. But yeah. yeah, this album gave me the feelings that I've had at the best shows with my friends. You know? Yeah, just singing along. Yeah, like everybody's having the best time and there's not... You really feel like you're right there in front of the stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times with the live albums, you don't feel that way. I, you know, they seem impersonal. This is very... It's very personal and I'm cool with it. <laughs> and I think having that loud audience helps with that mix. Mm-hmm. Because what you were saying earlier, like that stadium rock, you only hear the cheering and the roar. It's not really, you can't pick a lot of things out. Uh, where this one, you if you really listen to it, you can hear people saying stuff or Right, you can commenting. almost pick up yeah, yeah. individual audience members. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can even hear the band sometimes hit a wrong note or yeah. mess mm-hmm. up. I love that. I love that, you know, that's in there. I mean, they were they're super tight, but you know, no one, it's no alive. one's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's a live, it's a live thing. All the things we love about this is this. I mean, are those things that an audience in the '60s wouldn't have liked because I, it was so different? That's what I I'm mean, saying. Like, I can't even wrap my head around someone listening to this and saying, "No, we don't <laughs> want this." I, this I guess away. I understand that. Maybe they thought this. I mean, this is a long time ago, and maybe they thought this was a little too risque. Risk, yeah. But I mean, but, had, I mean Elvis know, was out, yeah, they and had you know, live Little albums, Richard yeah. and stuff. It's so this was RCA. Yeah. Uh, what what label was uh, James Brown of the same year? Oh, I have it right here. King. King. I don't know King. <laughs> King. Maybe records. maybe King. Like I I don't I'm not familiar with King Records. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it was a smaller I, label than RCA. Maybe yeah. More willing to take a risk. Yeah, and maybe on a rowdy maybe, live album. Maybe they didn't mind James Brown being a little more because that's his 
that yeah. was considered his thing. You know, and what that they were doing true. is this they were is... trying to push Sam Cooke in a certain direction. And not only push him in a certain direction, but he already kind of, well, I don't know what year Live of the Copa came out. But, uh, it was like 62. It's like yeah, right so like, there. Not only are they pushing him in a certain certain direction, he already is a direction. He's like the studio recorded Sam Cooke and the existing live album Sam Cooke is like your mom's Sam Cooke. Right. And the polished th- pop Sam Cooke. Yeah. And, and this is this is unfiltered. Yeah. Unfiltered, rowdy Sam Cooke. Soul Sam Cooke. Yeah. And maybe RCA was like, oh, I wanted my mom's Sam Cooke. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what we My thought. mom's Sam Cooke sells better. Six, your mom's Sam Cooke sells very well. Right. <laughs> this was his first. It was 64. For so, Copa? So they tried it again. And that time they got what <laughs> they perceived they, what they wanted. We lay off the rowdiness and yes. um, pretend like we're in church. Yeah. And that uh, looks like it doesn't have, you know, it has twisting the night away. But for the most part, it doesn't have any of the other songs. At some point, we should we should A, B, twisting the night away. From Harlem, uh, Harlem Club, twisting that away from the Copa fucking cabana. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want to a b that at some point. I want to do the Pepsi challenge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't it's think it'll be, be distinct? Able to... <laughs> yeah, <can't tell. laughs> uh, you were talking again about bring it on home uh, to me. There's two uh, there's two songs on this album that anytime I hear them, it's it's like an instant get out of my seat, and I'm like having a great time and one is bringing it on home for me and the other is having a party the last Dude, song having a party oh <laughs> so was, good there's, there's popcorn on the table yes <laughs> the cokes hard. are in the ice box it <laughs> <laughs> was hard listening to it in your car when you won the dance <laughs> uh i did look up some of the worst live albums in uh considered in uh music history do you have any off, that come to mind off the top of my head yeah it's kind of hard because yeah. most of the time, if they do, if they uh, record an album and and they don't think it's good, they just won't release it. Exactly. Now, are this list uh, are are the bands on this list like household names? Yes, very big names actually. <laughs> now, some of them are for technical reasons, which I I, I want to find a better list. Maybe next time we do a live album, I'll, I'll find a better list that is actually like playing music bad. Mm. Some of these are, are for technical reasons. Oh, oh, just re- yeah. And I get recorded. it. Yeah. Because like, yeah. I would say like all Fish albums. <laughs> record, man. Like every single Fish album is probably the worst live <laughs> album. One is uh, The Beatles at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, I've got that. It's terrible. It's, and it's because the uh, a lot of the audience, you yeah. just hear audience. The album should be called The Beatles Audience at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, you, you put the needle on it and just... <sighs> <laughs> for 45 minutes. <laughs> Apparently the Beatles were there. <laughs> we were talking about live albums and what that audience feels. That gives you being in the audience. <laughs> yeah. You no, don't no, get no, any of the band, at, you just at, get the audience. At that point of the Beatles' career, they were playing t- for too big of crowds with too small of gear. Yeah. They were playing out of like a Fender Twin, yeah. and they're playing the, the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. You know? uh, another one is Got Live If You Want It by the Rolling Stones. The mm-hmm. same same sort of issue yeah where they had too much audience yeah i've got that one not enough stones um the who who's last they're not familiar with that one their sort of farewell tour in the 80s where someone had said they sound deflated Ooh. Sounds so that like is a, a playing issue then in that it, one. Yeah, it sounds like issue. a wait. Yeah, is this, is like this post lax. keith moon dying uh yeah, yeah. get so off the stage be. get off that yeah. stage yeah 
Um, and, and then <laughs> one one that I didn't actually agree with because it's it doesn't even seem to be a real like live album, but it's Elvis Presley having fun with Elvis on stage. So they cut all the music out, and it's all his banter in between the songs. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I want that just for like sa- just to be able to sample it. You know? Oh baby, uh, hey. we're gonna play a tasty hit for you. All right, this next song is called Wamalama Hawaii. <laughs> then he doesn't go to the then song. He doesn't go to the song. <laughs> all right, thank you. <laughs> Any any more? Can we praise this enough? If you're listening to this episode instead of listening to this album, you have a serious problem. <laughs> <laughs> you should have you should have heard the title and been like, "We're talking about Sam Cooke live," and go, "I want to go go ahead and listen to this yeah. album." All right, we love it. I think we all agree this one definitely deserves a listen. Uh, one of the best live albums. Go buy it. Uh, next episode, we'll be talking about. The Black Saint and the Sinner Lady by Charles Mingus. Thanks, guys. And sure in the minute I hear my baby say hello, something start to move down inside me. I say I got a message for you, honey. I want to tell you that, darling, you... I gotta be a man to tell you this.